Welcome this morning to the Lord's house. We're very glad that you're here today. And certainly welcome all of the fathers and grandfathers and those of you who are great-grandfathers this morning. Uh, very, very great pleasure and joy to have you all here. If you're viewing our service online today, I want you to know you're very, very welcome as well to our service. Now, as you know, if you've been attending here any time, we have the hymns on the screen behind us, but I was informed this morning that uh, probably due to the storm that went through here last week, uh, whether the electric shock, it put the power out here in our church, in the school building, and uh, it caused a big tree to come down at the front here, one of our big pine and spruce trees, so it was a heavy wind that came through. Anyways, it uh, seems to have knocked out the projector. Anyways, that's not a bad thing because uh, I didn't think that projector was too bright anyways, and it was time for a new one. And uh, trying to get the, uh, the deacons maybe to buy a new one, well, they, maybe they weren't just so sure so long as that one had some light and life left in it. And I was telling a brother Jonathan this morning, reminded me of what Mr. Spurgeon did when he wanted to get new windows put in the church where he was, and the deacons board, they were not too sure about that. So then one night he went through with his cane and he knocked out the windows himself. And uh, then he reported to the, to the deacons, he offered a five-pound reward leading to the arrest and conviction of the person that broke the windows. Well, no one saw and no one turned him in. And so he got all the windows replaced because they had to do them anyways. And uh, many, many years later, he told the deacons that he was the one who broke the windows. And it was too late at that point anyways. So I didn't break the projector, but uh, it's going to be time for a new one anyway. So that means you're going to have to use your hymnal, and you haven't been doing that for a while. And so you have them in front of you. And what I'd like you to do as we turn to Psalm 103, B selection. The Psalms are at the back of our book. And an opportunity for you to reach in front of you and pass a hymnal to someone that's by you. So what I'd like you to do today, especially because it's Father's Day and we're uh, going to greet everyone, I want you all to stand and uh, look around to see someone who does not have a hymnal and then just shake hands with everyone and greet them this morning in the Lord's name. So everyone stand first of all, please. You can reach around and shake hands with someone near you and make sure that they have a hymn book so that they can join in the worship today. Well, the house of the Lord is to be a welcoming place. The house of the Lord is to be a place of joy, thanksgiving, and as we come to acknowledge our great appreciation to the God who has saved us by His grace, well, let's sing to His praise today. In Psalm 103, well, it starts off, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And so as we think about blessing God today, it is a thought of giving thanks to Him, giving praise, giving the worship from our souls, and that's what we want to do. And so let's lift our voices 
as we acknowledge and worship the Lord today, Psalm 103b. <clears throat> Please be seated. I've asked Dr. McClellan to lead us this morning in our opening prayer. Let's all be settled, please, before the Lord as we come to seek Him at this time. in my way and in the way of the Lord, 
Our Father, we pray that thou would put thy saving hand upon each of our children and grant, O God, in that great day when we stand before thee that none of our uh, young ones will be missing. And so, Father, we pray that thou would bless. The bless, Lord, the sick and the suffering, the aged and the infirm, and those, Lord, who are sorrowing, I grant that thy hand will be upon them for good, and that today they will rejoice in the good hand of God upon them. We ask that our Father to bless our service now. We pray that our best as preacher uh, be with him, uh, fill him with the Holy Spirit, uh, give him, Lord, the consciousness that God is here, and that to bless us with the Spirit's quickening power. And Father, we pray that thou would prepare our hearts to receive the word. And Lord, we ask of thee that thou would do us good today. And we pray, Father, that even as some soul who knows not the Lord would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and to know our Father as their God. Be with us now, we pray, and bless us and refresh us and do us good. Amen. For we ask it in Jesus' yes. name. Amen. 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 Let's turn again, please, in our worships to hymn number 20. Hymn 20, Abba Father, we approach thee. We'll stand again as we sing.
Please turn this morning in our congregational reading to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6. We're going to read the first ten verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart." with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven." neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We know the Lord will add his own blessing to his word today as we have read it. Well, again, we want to say a very warm word of welcome to you. It's good to see you in the Lord's house today. And uh, we have some folks who are visiting here with us, and we haven't seen them for a long, long time. And so we're very thankful to have them back in our service with us. It's great to see our sister Kathy and brother Henry Lee. Uh, We have been praying much for you folks over the years, and uh, very thankful that God's good grace has been upon you, and you're back in our service today. We're very, very happy to see you. And also... Brother Richard Vanderfeist and his wife Priscilla, we're very happy that you folks are in the service today. They're visiting in the area, and so they're joining with us. And uh, we have also uh, to welcome to our congregation today our daughter Esther and uh, son-in-law Stephen, and also two grandchildren, Olivia and Avery. And we're very, very happy to have some time together with the family at this uh, very important time. And we have David, who is visiting with us this morning. We welcome you this morning, brother. Good to have you in the service today. Uh, nice to welcome you. And I'm, it's always a danger, you know, when you start to name names that you might leave someone else. So if I've done that, please forgive me. And if you're visiting and I don't have your name, then you're very, very welcome. Please take a, a moment and sign our visitor's book as you leave the service today. Well, of course, we... I've already welcomed the fathers and grandfathers 
and great-grandfathers to our service. We want you to know that when you're leaving today, all the men actually, you'll be receiving a, a very nice little bookmark with the text today that I'll be speaking on. And you'll also receive a little pen to keep notes of all the things that your wife wants you to do. You have to have a good pen in order to write that. And uh, you could use the back of the bookmark, but there's not too much space there on the back. So the job list may be a bit smaller, which not, might not be so bad either. There's also a couple little sweet things for you as well to receive today. So you make sure you get one of those on your way out this morning. Yesterday was the Highland Creek Outreach Festival, uh, headed up by our brother Kingsley Jew, and he reported that there were good uh, reception, uh, many bottles of water, 250 with gospel tracks with elastics put around them, and so they were given out, and uh, children's material was given, some Bibles as well, and opportunities just to speak to the people, and so do pray that God would water the seed of the Word that was put into the hands of people, and they will not just take off those little gospel papers and throw them away, but they'll read the verses of Scripture that Christ is the water of life, and He is able to give and to satisfy the spiritual need of every single heart. I mentioned this morning about the large tree that came down, one of those original trees that were planted in 1994 when the church was built. And so it's sad to see one of those giants topple over and appreciate our brother Alec Newell who brought his equipment here and was able to take that down and uh, other cleanup that has to be done around the property. As you can see, if you've come in today, you have some new flooring in the foyer, a lot of preparation to get that completed. We're very thankful that that's done and done today. We have still some furniture that had to be moved out of the office area and the old bookstore, the fellowship room, and that's still at the back today, but that will be taken care of in due time. But much appreciation again to the brethren who are involved in repainting the church. Everything looks very, very good, and things are not quite finished yet, but the lion's share of it has been done, and so we're very, very thankful uh, for that. Remember, please, the services today are prayer time at 5.50, and then our evening service at 6.30. And I want to continue in our study of the book and the life of Daniel, and we will be looking at the final part of the message of the three Hebrew young men that went through a great trial of their faith and how God brought them safely through and some important lessons about God's providence in their lives and the follow-up after that. So that's an evening service tonight at 6.30. And then on Wednesday this week, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30. And it's a busy week for our school because we have the graduation for our grade 8 and grade 12 Thursday night, the grade 12, Friday night, the grade 8 graduation, and appreciate very much your prayers for all the details that go in, thinking too of the graduating students. This is a very important year for Whitfield too, marks a milestone for our grade 8 class in its entirety will be moving forward into grade 9 to our high school program, 
And that is a great blessing, and we thank the Lord for that. And already the enrollment of our school is up to pretty well beyond what we have this income this present year. And that also includes the graduating classes that move on, the graduating one from grade 12, and it's a large class this year. So please continue to pray for the ministry of our school, praying for the right students to be brought in and every staff member to be in place that will enable us to go forward in this very, very important ministry. Next Lord's Day, our services at the regular time will be the final Sunday school for this section of the year. And then uh, we also want to make a presentation to our children who've been memorizing their scriptures. So that means it will be an open Sunday school time downstairs. So we encourage everyone to come. And there will be some Sunday school choruses and then, of course, the presentation uh, to our children. And then our morning service at the regular time at 11. And next Lord's Day, we'll be having our session and board prayer time at 4.50. And then our evening service at 6.30. And then also we have a fellowship time after next Lord's Day evening because it's the final Lord's Day of the month. And then remember also on July the 1st will be our barbecue, our church family barbecue. And we want to encourage you to sign up today. Be sure you do. There's a paper at the back. Sign up if you're coming with your family and then how many you're bringing just so we can make the right food arrangements and make sure there's preparation and enough for everyone. It's an opportunity to welcome and to invite someone, maybe a neighbor, a family member who doesn't normally come to church they'd be welcome to come along with you on July the 1st. That's at 5 p.m. and It'll go from 5 to just around dusk. Those are all the ministry announcements that we have to share with you today. We want to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 407, 407, and we'll remain seated, please, while we sing this hymn. Let's stand and sing these final two verses, please. 
God to us, love that has been shed abroad through Jesus Christ our Savior. Please turn now in your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed, He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust, As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant, to those that Remember His commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye His angels that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye His hosts, ye ministers of His that do His pleasure, Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
bow, please, for prayer. Father, it has been our joy to be in the house of prayer and praise today. We are thankful for every redeemed heart, every one lifting voice and soul and mind unto our God in praise. And I pray today, Father, it might please the Spirit of God to work in the hearts of those who are still without Christ, those who are still unsaved. Write your truth upon every one of our hearts now. And Lord, as we give special attention to the subject of fatherhood today, Lord, open our minds. Minister to our souls. Speak through me today with the power of the Holy Spirit that I might be clothed with the fresh oil of the Spirit of grace and that, Lord, there would be no one who would misunderstand or misapply the Word today. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want to draw your attention, please, to verse 13 of Psalm 103. It says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And I want you to think today on the subject of a father's compassion. You know, the heritage of a godly father, it really cannot be fully expressed. It is a blessing from God to the family. You know, the more that the years pass by from the death of my own father in 2011, the very sweet and, I would say, precious memories, they become even more meaningful as the days and years go past. The difficulty is how to quantify the value and how to think about the influence of a man's life and a godly man's life as you watched a person live, serve God, desiring to honor the Lord with a life. These things are so precious, so valuable. You know, oftentimes men can be accused of, well, not showing their emotions too freely. Now, that may be because of the optics of weakness, maybe because of the upbringing they've had, some cultural and social habits. But you know, when a man truly fears God, when a man truly has the Spirit of the Lord in him, and he is seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and wanting in that life to see and know the attributes of God being reflected in that life, then the desire or the inhibitions of allowing the emotions 
that come to the surface perhaps in prayer time, perhaps when speaking tenderly about Christ, then those things are not any longer an embarrassment. Ah, but they are, they are real blessing. When we think about Psalm 103 and verse 13, and it speaks of a father pitying his children, that word pity, it means compassion. When fathers show compassion, it is that emotion. It's that emotion that is brought on by the action of the will to come to the aid of those who are in need, and specifically the context of children within the family. Of all the responsibility that comes with fatherhood, let us be careful not to allow the necessary things of life to distract us, uh, letting other interests overrun the more important matters of spiritual faithfulness to God and to His Word. And so I pray as we look at this verse today, the Lord would speak to our hearts. He would minister to my own soul as I stand in need of that today, and He will help you. He will bless His Word to you. And if you're not a father, then friend, don't think the Word doesn't apply to you. There's something here for everyone. And I pray the Lord would bless your soul today. The first thing that comes with us to us today, and the, now the points are not going to be on the screen as they normally are, so you're going to have to pay closer attention if you are taking notes down. But there is a stark comparison that is given to us in this text, a stark comparison. For we have these words, as a father, in the earthly sense, so the Lord. As a father, so the Lord. We know in the beginning of this world, God made man in His own image. He made man a spiritual being with self-consciousness. Man was capable of knowing and of judging between right and wrong, for God had placed within his heart the ability to choose right and to reject that which was wrong. And man is to be holy as God himself is holy. Man is to be just as God is true and just. Man is to be forgiving as God is forgiving. These attributes that God through His image has stamped upon the heart of man, it was a great blessing for Adam to be created and even the image of God. But here, friends, is a marvelous thing that we have presented in this Scripture for God to have compared Himself to His creation then in the garden before sin had come into the world, for God to have compared Himself to Adam then, it would have been of stupendous condescension of the Lord. But what can we say 
when the God of eternity makes the comparison between His own character and that of a fallen, sinful human being. Like a father, so the Lord. Friend, this is a, an amazing thing in the truth that the Spirit of God has given to us in His Word. Fathers, we can learn so much about relationships and personal conduct from this divine comparison. And what does it teach us? It helps us to look into the mirror and to see pride for what it is and to take a back seat or maybe even get in the trunk and not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And we ought to think of ourselves generally. And what we should do is comes into focus when we see the God of eternity who has compared Himself to fallen humanity. Friends, let's not miss the importance of the truth that this text has. For God is saying, like you are, so I am. As you would behave toward your family, so I would behave toward my children. What is needed for us so often, friends, is quite frankly a large heaping dose of humility and honesty. Fathers, take this to heart today. A good dose of humility and honesty in the heart. It will go a long way in our families to build relations and to show the Spirit of Christ. And I say to you again, friends, quite honestly and openly, I'm not the living example of this, but as I look into this text and as I speak these words, I would hold the mirror of the Word of God up to my own heart. And I would say, Lord, please teach me and show me for the deficiencies that are in my own heart. Let us pray much for the grace and the humility to rule our spirits by the image of Christ so that we will be a true reflection of Him and we will have His mind in our hearts to direct us. So we have a stark comparison in this text. And the second point is a little bit longer. It is the pillar of God's compassion is the support and example for a father's compassion. The pillar of God's compassion is the support and example of a father's compassion. God's compassion is toward them that fear Him. This text makes that very clear. 
But the fear that's being spoken of here is not a slavish fear, but it's one of reverence and godly fear. It's the fear that comes from the heart of someone who has been touched by the grace of God. It's the fear that wants to have reverence to the holiness and majesty and purity of the God with whom we have to do. It's a fear that says, I want to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. To fear God, friends, is to keep His commandments, which are not grievous to us. They're not burdensome, but they are the joy and rejoicing and delight of the heart of the saved sinner. When we consider how God expresses His compassion on us, it will instruct us as fathers how we are to treat others. And so I want us to think about some of the ways in which God shows His compassion toward us, and therefore we would say, Lord, help me to show that compassion toward my family, my children. He does so by His mercy. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor has He rewarded us according to our iniquity. God has not paid us the wage of our sin. He has not paid us what we rightly deserve. And my dear friends, this is an example of the mercy of God in our lives. It applies to us in so many, many ways. But the greatest of this is that we deserve the judgment of God upon our lives because of our own sinfulness. We deserve to be cast off into a lost eternity. We deserve rightly the full weight of the judgment of God upon our sin. I deserve to be in hell. That's what the wages of my sin deserve. But God has in mercy toward me not given that to me because He laid all of my sins upon my Lord Jesus on the cross. He placed all of the sins of all His people rightly and justly upon the Lord Jesus in mercy to my soul. Oh, my friend, today, if you are not a believer, if you have not received Christ as your own Savior, then I say to you, look to Christ. Call out upon Him from your heart, because in calling upon Him, praying that you will be forgiven of your sin, Jesus will hear that prayer, and you can know the joy and the peace of sins forgiven. You will know then in your own heart what we're talking about here when we speak of God's mercy towards sinners. God's mercy, my dear friends, is Him not giving to us that which we deserved, and that is judgment. How does this apply to our dealings with our children? Sometimes, fathers, have we not been quick to mark the failures of our children? 
Have we not been quick to correct them? And too often, if we were to look closely in the mirror, it would be something like this. Do what I tell you to do. Don't do what I do. And that is never the expression of God's mercy to us. We should be very slow to wrath and long in patience and long in mercy. We have been forgiven so much from the hand of our God and therefore we are to extend that same compassion, that same pity, that same mercy. But the Lord has given to us His grace and God has poured out upon us the blessings of what we do not deserve, and we could never have merited or attained that by our own selves. This again is part of God's great sovereign electing grace. For friends, you and I, trying to raise ourselves to the standard of God's holiness, it's an impossibility. I cannot do it because I am a sinful man. But God has, by His grace, lifted me from the pit of my sin, and He has set me upon my Savior. He has set me upon the rock of my salvation. And because God has dealt with me in grace, I am not going to hell, but I am going to be with Him in glory forever and forever. For by grace are we saved and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, my friends, today, the sovereign grace of God that chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians 1, ah, these are great truths. And the Spirit of God at a point in time, opened our hearts and our minds to see that we deserve wrath for sin, but Christ has come to pay the penalty for me, and so today I can go free. And it is all because of the grace of God toward our souls. Have you called upon Him today? Do you know Him? Have you tasted of the grace and goodness of God in your own life? Oh, my friend, don't delay. Don't put it off. You do not know what a day will bring. You do not know if you will have breath tomorrow morning, if your heart will beat in your body. Today is the accepted time for your salvation. But has not the Lord dealt with us generously, Yes, generosity. In fact, the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? You know, giving of good gifts a father to a child it does not depend on the wealth of the Father. You know, so often, and you've seen it, I know, that children have been spoiled 
by a father trying to buy the affection of the children, and the spoiling of the child is the result. That's not what the Lord does for us. Oh, yes, He has heaped so much upon us, and we could not begin to thank the Lord in His generosity and how He has blessed us. And as we think about that, friends, the blessings and the generosity that will come from a father to a child, it is not something that is monetary. It is not something dependent on the size of your paycheck. Because the greatest things and the most generous things that you can give to your children, it will be the spiritual heritage that you have received from God. Take time, Father, to communicate, to generously communicate that spiritual heritage to your family. The best gifts that can be given are those things which last forever. The most cherished possessions that a child will ever have in this life are the possessions of spiritual worth that will last in eternity. Because what will it profit a man, what will it profit a child, if they are given all things in this world but They lose their own soul at the end of it. No, those things are not not to be measured up in the idea of generosity. But of course, you see the application, don't you? If you have a father that is stingy with financial things or stingy with possession of things and they don't give to their children, that's not going to convey the right message from the Lord either. There has to always be the balance, not the spoiling, but the generosity that's seen in a practical way and conveyed in a spiritual way. It's so very, very important. Jesus told His disciples that when they were sent out into the villages two by two, they were preaching and they were healing. He said to them, "'Freely you have received, freely give.'" And the principle behind this is one of generosity. It must be seen at home first. In order that children will be taught, well, not to be greedy, but to give their tithes and their talents and their time unto the Lord. So, the Lord gives to us He gives to us in mercy, in grace, with generosity. And fathers, we know that God also gives to us in kindness and in tenderness. Many a child, sad to say, has grown in an environment of anger and cruelty. With a temper-driven command, and sometimes physical abuse. When a man behaves in this manner, he is displaying the type of aggression and dominance that shows the depravity of his soul. It does not show the grace and mercy of God. Such a man would be akin to a lion. 
that eats his own cubs shortly after they are born. But that is not the loving kindness of the Lord that we have conveyed in the Scripture. Certainly not what David saw in Psalm 63, for he said, Thy loving kindness is better than life. David also wrote, Thy gentleness, thy tenderness has made me great. How did the gentleness and the tenderness of God make David great? Well, in God's dealings with him, the Lord dealt with him in mercy and kindness. The Lord dealt with David in gentle dealings. And he was promoted through that to be the leader of the land and nation of Israel. Surely God conveyed to David as he was minding those sheep on the mountainside. And those lessons of the tenderness and kindness of God that were conveyed through the animals that David was looking after. And oh, Father, how in dealing with children, the kindness and mercy and loving mercies of the Lord are so very, very important. Because each time those things are conveyed, we are planting seeds in the minds of the children planting seeds that you might not see come to fruition for many years. But planted they will be. And as they are put within the heart and the mind, we then will pray the watering of that seed by prayer and through the Word of God. What about when we are looking at the subject of pain? How does a father deal with a child that is in pain? Is it with compassion or is it with hardness? The Lord is not unfeeling toward us when we are suffering. You know, because God knows and Christ knows all about suffering. And He knows what it is to be compassionate toward His people when they are in pain. When a father sees a child suffering, he enters into the very pain of that child, and, Father, you know you would wish that pain upon yourself. You would wish in some way it could be transferred to you so your child would be relieved. But what cry of suffering from the heart of a child would not break down even the strongest of men. When a child has been injured or is sick and must receive treatment, it causes the very deepest of the yearnings in the heart. And what did the Lord say? He said that, woe unto them that cause offense to the smallest of children, that causes pain or anguish, and the Lord said it would be better for that man that a millstone be hung around his neck and he be cast into the depth of the sea. So the Lord our God cherishes the little ones. So he takes care of. And fathers, he has placed children 
in the hands of fathers in order that they would govern and direct and keep them. And how does the Lord deal with us when we're in times of danger and overcome with fear? It's not only a natural reaction within humanity to protect our own, it is a a God-given right to defend those who are defenseless, to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. Let me say again, the great crime that is being conducted in our nation today and around this world, the crime against the innocent, the sin of abortion, and the devastation that has happened from the enactment of Roe v. Wade in the United States, over 63 million children have died. That is a colossal holocaust. My dear friends, the defense of the innocent, it must be stood for in our day. Not long ago, I was sitting in my car and parking lot and observed a young man putting a sweater on his little daughter. Oh, I expect she was maybe four years old. And to observe for a few moments the care that that father took in putting that sweater on the child, putting the hood over top of her head, tying up the the laces, zipping up the little coat, and then he picked up the little girl in his arms and he carried her off into the restaurant, perhaps to the washroom, not really sure. But I thought to myself, there was the evidence of a father's tenderness and care and protection for a little one. And I would say to you, that if you tried to do some harm to that little one, I would not want to be standing between that little one and that father. For a rage would overcome that father of protecting their little one. And rightly so. For God has instilled within us that desire to be a protector and a defender of those who are defenseless. And God has given to us that because He comes to the aid of His children. He comes to the defense and the support of His children. He comes to us, friend, when we're in times of fear. and We don't know where to turn. And sometimes we might wonder, Lord, are You listening? Are You there? The Lord is closer to us at such a time than we will ever know. He is near. Our Lord Jesus has promised, I will never leave. I will never forsake you. And that's a great hope and a comfort that you and I have today. What about friends when we have wandered away from God? What happens in a home when children have come of years to some degree and they have decided we are going away? And maybe they have not gone away physically, but maybe they have gone away mentally 
or they have gone away spiritually. They have left. What heaviness of soul, what breaking of the heart of a father is only understood by that person going through that circumstance at that moment. And we have in Luke 15 the subject of the prodigal son. The word prodigal, it's not found in our translation of the Bible, but it's taken from the word riotous. And so this young man who took his possession of the inheritance, and he went off into a far land, and he lived in riotous living. And so he lived extravagantly, and he wasted his substance. The word riotous, it means extravagant living. But it's not always in a negative sense. It certainly has that meaning sometimes to be wasteful and being a spendthrift. There was a devotion that I read today from the International Creation Research, ICR, in their Days of Praise. I again recommend that daily reading to you, Days of Praise. And they had today a title on that devotion called The Prodigal Father. And I was very interested, so I read it through very quickly. And the explanation was that the meaning of the word prodigal is one who has extravagant spending. And they applied that to the father of the prodigal son. Oh yes, the son had wasted all. But when the son came back, whom the father was waiting for with a heart of compassion, with a heart of desire, then it was the father who was the prodigal. It was the father who spent extravagantly. Bring the best robe. Bring the ring. Kill the fatted calf. Prepare a great feast. My son, which was dead, is alive, and he has come back. And it was the father who poured out all for his son. And what a picture we have in that of our heavenly father. For has he not, my dear friends today, spent on us extravagantly? Has he not given to us generously? Has he not shown through his mercy and grace what we could never have attained to or merited ourselves? He is our Father, our Heavenly Father. He is our prodigal Father. He has spent and given His only begotten Son that we might be forgiven and washed and cleansed and given the gift of eternal life, the salvation of our eternal soul. That is the giving of our Father. That is the giving of our Savior. And all, friend, today, I say to you, fathers, have we, have we been able to give in that way? No. I say we have fallen so, so far short. But what an example the Lord has given to us. 
like a human father, so our Heavenly Father. But we must reverse that. And we must say, oh God, help us to take in, in some small way, to comprehend the full weight of what this means. We have been loved with an everlasting love. Matthew Henry put it this way, A father pitieth his children that are weak in knowledge, and he instructs them. He pities them when they are sick, and he comforts them when they are fallen. He helps them up again when they have offended and upon their submission and repentance forgives them when they are wronged, when they're going in a wrong path. He writes them. He corrects them. And we have experienced all these things from our loving, heavenly Father. And so, dads today, pray that God will write His truth upon your heart. There's something here for everyone. And again, I say that if you're not a believer, that now is the time to take of the mercy and grace and kindness and generosity of your heavenly Father. For you will know Him. You will know His free gift of salvation for time and for all eternity. We're going to close our service today by singing a hymn. Number 22 in your book, Great is thy faithfulness. We'll stand, please, as we sing.
Father, what can we say today from these words we have been singing, the Word of God that we have read? Lord, we give thanks from our heart for Your everlasting mercy and sovereign grace to our souls. We have been brought out of darkness and into light. We have received so much from Your kind hand. Lord, I pray that in our lives we will reflect that grace and compassion, and You would help us all. Save today, Lord, we ask. Part us in Your fear with Your rich blessing. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.